Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Thank you. Welcome back, Persisters. I'm really jazzed this week about having author Alan Klein on the show. Alan is, well, he's got quite the story, but he is someone who understands the importance of humor when going through a really, really tough time. And he has some terrific takeaways at the end of this program this week to share with you about the incredible power of humor. He's also got yet another book coming out that's getting a lot of book buzz, The Awe Factor, which I love, the A-W-E, The Awe Factor, just named one of the best spirituality books of 2020. So very, very thankful that Alan is here. I can say from personal experience, as someone who's gone through long periods of time and pretty thick crises, that having humor, using humor can be a wonderful, wonderful thing. And yet how people react to you if you've just had a death, if your children like mine have been kidnapped, if you've gone through a bad situation, domestic violence, whatever. If you use humor, you may get some unintended reactions from other people. But I'm so thankful that author Alan Klein is here to explain how important it is and the barriers he had to go through to be able to use humor and get his amazing message out. Alan is a TEDx speaker, and I'm just so grateful to have him today. Thank you, Alan. Please start with how it all began when you went through a really difficult time. Yes, and then, Thank you, Lizbeth, for that uh, great introduction. I appreciate it. So um, how it all started? Well, I was born... <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this is going to be a long show. That's the very (laughs) beginning. Uh, (laughs) um, What happened was uh, my wife and I were married about, uh, what was it, eight years, and she got a rare liver disease, primary biliary cirrhosis. And there was no um, cure at the time. There was no liver transplant. And we had recently several years before moved to san francisco we always wanted the victorian house we just bought one um things were going great and then we found out about this illness and she did pass away three years after we found out she had that so it was a very difficult time but what stuck in my mind after she died and there was a lot of tears of course um had a 10 year old daughter at the time And a lot of tears, but Ellen had a great sense of humor, and we always used to laugh together. In fact, we'd say, you know, how come we're still married? Our friends are getting separated and divorced. And our answer to each other was often, because you make me laugh. Oh, that's beautiful. That was a a wonderful bonding tool for us. Um, But then she became ill, and um, laughter kind of stopped. Except one of the things that brought it back, she was in the hospital. She had a a copy of Playgirl magazine with a male nude centerfold. And she said, Alan, I really like this picture this month. Can you 
put it on the wall by the bed up there. And I said, Ellen, this is a hospital. And she said, well, Ellen, all right. Why don't you get a leaf from the plant on the table over there and cover up that part? Oh, my and goodness. I did that, and things are fine for the first day, fine for the second day. But by the third day, the leaves start shriveling up and revealing what we were trying to conceal. And after Ellen died, I realized it wasn't a lot of laughter, but it helped us rise above the situation, gave us a reprieve, gave us a bit of, you know, away time um, from what we were going through. And so after Ellen died, I realized how important humor was. Norman Cousins was talking about it in his book, um, the anatomy of an illness, how humor helped him cure himself of a rare disease. And so I gave up a business I had, went back to school, uh, got a master's degree in human, <clears throat> H-U-M-A-N development. And oh, my, okay. And my thesis was The Healing Power of Humor, which turned into my first book. Oh, fantastic. Okay. That's terrific. And so important for people. Every one of us is going to go through something in which we need to rely on the healing power of humor. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you're right. People do say, uh, how can you laugh at a time like that? Right. Um, and it is difficult. But humor and tears are very close. And just like tears, humor, in fact, more than tears can bring us down, humor lifts us up. So when do we need more humor than when a loved one is dying or a friend is dying close to us? Right. You know, and tears are healing. Tears wash away toxins uh, scientifically. But, you know, they also found when you have a good hearty laugh, some of those toxins are in those same tears from laughter as they are from cutting, uh, I'm sorry, from emotional tears like someone dying but if you cut an onion and you cry, it doesn't have those toxins. That's interesting. Oh, my goodness. That's actually really fascinating. So the point is that both tears and laughter are carrying away some of those toxins that are not healthy. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. That is really beautiful. Now, you wanted to do something with this amazing message, but you had some things standing in your way. Can you tell us about that? Well, I, you know, after Ellen died, I realized how humor helped um, us or me and some of our friends and uh, to get through that. Right. If, not, if only momentarily, but it helped us rise above the situation. And I wanted to share about humor in those kind of situations. And there was nothing out there. Nothing. I mean, I spent... Months looking for humor and death and dying and grief. And I think I found one article that was supposed to be in the New York Times and never got published. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I thought I need to tell the world about how it helped me rise above the situation. And so I wanted to speak about it, but I was, um, I could not do it. <laughs> I almost failed speech in college. I would I would know my subject, but I'd never raise my hand to share. And right. so I often almost got a failing grade. Um, but I had such passion to share this message that I kind of rose above 
my fear, focused on my message, and became a professional speaker. I've been doing did it over twenty five years and spoken to audiences. Imagine someone who can't get up in front of an audience speaking to fifteen hundred people. Wow. <laughs> at the Grand Ole Opry uh, Hotel uh, at one conference. And it hit a nerve to people, um, particularly caregivers, who are very stressed out, how humor could help them deal with their stress. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that just the idea of standing in front of that many people makes my stomach hurt a little bit. But that <laughs> took a lot of tenacity to keep going for it until you could share that message. Yeah. And, and, it, and funny, I still remember that being on this huge stage, you know, huge audience. And I thought, well, rather than just come on stage and you know, on the side, I'm going to make a grand entrance through this oh. curtain. So I was <laughs> behind the curtain and they announced me and they're finished. I'm supposed to come out and I'm trying to find the entrance, you know, the the slit in the curtain. Right. <laughs> and for, it was probably only 15 seconds, but it seemed like an hour to me. Like, I can't get out of the stage, <laughs> which actually good lighten up and start to laugh. So it was <laughs> perfect, you know. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, getting your books out there, you were traditionally published, right? You've been traditionally published and, and done great with your books. But there came a time also where you needed some more persistence because what's happening in the publishing world continues to happen and that publishers are closing shop. And right. so tell us a little bit about how you got your backlist to be your front list again. And then... So yeah, after the healing power of humor, I had a lot of um, quotations relating to humor, laughter, play, and and I only used a handful. And I thought, well, that might make a good book. So I I put that together, a quote book, an uplifting quote book, and it got published. And then it did so well. Another one, they asked me to do another one, and then a series of three. Anyhow, it was a division of Random House. And they had published, I don't know, seven or eight of my books, and they sold 400,000 copies. <clears throat> and then they wanted to save money, so they closed that division. Oh, and dear. So for a year and a half, I tried to sell it to other publishers. I could not sell it. So I believe, in talking about persistence, I believe when you struggle too much, uh, you're putting out negative energy. And mm -hmm. so I stopped struggling. I wrote a little three by five card that said, the perfect publisher will find me. And I put it above my computer. And I just looked at it every day for several months. I then went to a meeting of authors and publicists. And there was um, uh, publishing two women who work for a publishing company behind me. And I sat on the aisle and a man next to me was turned around talking to them. And I heard them say, we have a very successful publishing company and we're opening a new division and we're looking for uplifting, motivational, inspirational books. And I said, oh my goodness, to them. <clears throat> they've done really well. You know, I'll, I'll uh, show them to you. And so they published them. And then through them, I got to the current publisher um, anyhow, it was my 
not giving up, but giving up the struggle. Okay. You know, I say, and, and, you know, people may not believe this, but we're all energy. And so I need to, to tap into the positive energy, not pushing away the negative energy. And, you know, I mean, I'm, this is one of the stories in my new awe book because I believe so many things could have happened that day. I could have not gone to that meeting, right? I could have not sat on the aisle. Those women could have been sitting Quieter. somewhere else. That's um, right. The man next to me could have been somewhere else or not, you know, talk to me and not to them. Right. You know, so all of that's like an for me was an all moment. Just all, and to top it all off, their their publishing company was five blocks from where I lived. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that is perfect, truly perfect. I love what you said about not giving up. It's not like you're giving up your dream, but at some point you back away from the energy of struggling. That's something I really need to work on. <laughs> struggling is my middle name. And uh, sometimes we don't need to double down, you know? And so that's really fantastic. Yeah. Because I think think, Lizbeth, you know, sometimes we struggle and it's either not right for us or not right right for us at that moment. You know, maybe it's supposed to happen down the road when we have more knowledge or we're more developed person, spiritually, intellectually, Maybe it's that that's when it's supposed to happen. Doesn't mean it's right. not supposed to happen. Maybe not just then. Exactly. I really, really love that. Now, what are you have the new book coming out? What are if, just if you think about a few takeaways that people can learn from you about the importance of healing and humor? If you have uh, any advice. One is, and too bad they can't see me, but one thing I always have with me is a red clown nose. Perfect. I see it. I see it right now. <laughs> and I've given this out in my workshops. Everyone, we hold, do a whole process with it. People have their eyes closed. They get it. They think about a stress thing. They open this and the stress thing is gone, <laughs> at right. least for that moment. So have a prop, a toy. Um, okay. I have a photo right here of my daughter with a cream pie in her face when she was a teenager, which she wanted. And I look at that and it just lifts me up. Okay. So have something around to remind you to lighten up. Because you put on the news, you read the newspaper, the world is not so great. So we need to counteract that. And I think the quickest way is um, something you say to yourself, a prop, you look in the mirror. I mean, the red clown knows you're angry with someone. You put this on, (laughs) look in the mirror, you probably start to laugh. Traffic jam, look in the rear view mirror, you probably start to laugh. People around you in the traffic jam will also probably be smiling. Um, (laughs) It's such a simple thing, and it's so amazing. the stories I get of how this has helped uh, people. One one couple said they had them all around the house. And if one person starts to yell at the other, they put this on and suddenly they start laughing and this, the yelling stops. Oh, I love that. In fact, I would love to take a picture of you with that on. Frankly, I'll put it in show notes. 
because yes, people should see you <laughs> with it on. Fantastic. Thank you for that. So good. A prop or something, some message or a prop to just bring you out of your over-seriousness. Right. And then anything else that you can think of that's an easy thing for us to remember when we're going through something that doesn't feel like we'll ever laugh again. Well, I think this is in, in your head that you have a choice. We forget we have a choice. You know, we think we let other people or other situations ruin our day. And and we don't have to. One of my books is called "You Can't Ruin My Day," and that that's terrific. About, that came about because I was going to the gym. I was happy. I was singing. I'd just seen a Broadway show. I was singing the music, and I was being pulled over for a speeding ticket. And I got to the gym, and I told my gym fellow gym mates, "I just got a speeding ticket." And I'm still happy, smiling. They're saying, "Alan, you're nuts. You just got a speeding ticket, and you're happy." <laughs> And I said to them, I'm not going to let that policeman or that ticket ruin my day. <laughs> and I realized how often we do that. And we have that choice. It's our attitude. Correct. One, one of my, it was taken from one of my books. It's now all over the internet is that one of my quotes um, is our attitude are the crayons that color our world. Oh, I love that. Okay. So our attitude are the crayons that color our world. So if that resonates with you, that's a saying you can put by your computer on your refrigerator or another one that will realize, make, help you to realize that you could change your attitude. You could lighten up. You could see things differently. I'm thinking about emailing that to myself as soon as we get off the uh, air. That I would love to get that from you again and put that in show notes. That's a beautiful way to reference it. Yeah. Our attitude are the crayons that color our world. Beautiful. You are very quotable. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> yeah, I'm quotable, except my name is Alan Klein. The Beatles manager's name was Alan Klein. So you well, just may, go with that. <laughs> you may felt the same way. So you may see that quote online. I've seen it several times, quoting Alan Klein, and then it says the Beatles manager. And oh, no. <laughs> not true. He did not write it. Uh, <laughs> Darn the luck. <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, well. Well, that is beautiful. And so when... Uh, Tell us a little bit more about the awe factor and also how people can get a hold of you because you have quite a backlist. You have a lot of books. How many? Um, 30 some odd books. Oh my um, goodness. But I'll Prolific. tell you a little secret. Some of them, I would say about 10 of those are uh, reprints. Okay. Different, different publishers, different covers, different editions. Okay. Um, added, you know, some things added to some of those books. But I don't know, most people don't know, but books get an ISBN number. Every book has their own number. So if it, in my mind, if, if, if it gets a new ISBN number, and I've checked this out with other people, it's considered a new book. Right. Well, that is true. A new title and yeah. So, so well, that's I've really probably only written 20. 
<laughs> That's still a whole lot. That is a lot of work and a lot of tedium and a lot of promotion and you still love it. So I think that's terrific. I love it. And you know, the reason I do it, because each book, you know, that Healing Power of Humor book was, I wanted to share with the world how uh, vital humor is. Um, another book I wrote, uh, Embracing Life After Loss. I wanted to share with people how they can go from loss to laughter um, the awe book is I wanted to show people that there is awe all around us, um, you know, because it was co- it's COVID time and pandemic time and people have forgot that there is wonderful things all around us in spite of all the negative stuff. So that's what I wanted to share. So every one of my books has like comes out of my experience mm-hmm. wanting to share Something that I know that I've experienced with with readers. I think that's fantastic. And we need it now more than ever, because you're right. We have forgotten that message. And it takes training the brain to look for those awe-inspiring things that are going on all around us. It's, you know, we are wired to be more negative, to be more half empty. And we can fight that to become something different and more. You know, and the other thing about awe, what I when I was doing the research, and I have some incredible stories in here. One of them, uh, I realized awe is in the mind of the beholder, and so for you might be different than for me, but it's truly there. Um, so don't compare, just like don't compare your sense of humor with other people. Right. Don't compare your awe factor with other people. So I was, this was an amazing story to me. I was listening to the radio and um, they were interviewing three prisoners that were just coming out of prison. And they asked them, what are you looking forward to when you get out of prison? And the first one said, I'm looking forward to being with my family. You know, I haven't seen them in years. Other ones said, I haven't been to a baseball game in years. I really want to go with my friends to a baseball game. And the third one, and this was the awe moment when I heard this, and it was awe moment for this prisoner, former prisoner, said, I'm looking forward to opening the refrigerator. Oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah, that such a great wow moment when I heard that. <clears throat> oh. And um, I realized I don't know, he was in prison 10 years, that he had not been able to get a glass of milk or, you know, get a piece of fruit or whatever, uh, or decide what he was going to eat from the refrigerator that night. Um, and and so just that little thing was, was an awe-inspired moment for him. And so we all have those, you know, all day and, and just, just look for them and... Uh, what, what a what, great example. Yeah, I, I just love that story. <laughs> uh, but what, what you know, it's again like the clown nose. So Correct. Uh, I advise people to get a card, like a three by five card, and just put the letter A on it and then carry this with you in your pocket. And every time you put your hand in your pocket and see the card, mm-hmm. just stop and look for something that might amaze you or, or you find awe in or, or wonder. 
And the reason for, I mean, it's not just things I made up. The new research, the very latest research is if you put intention of finding awe, I won't go through the whole whole research, but they found if you if you go out, say for a walk, and you intend to find some awe, you will find it. I love that. And one thing you've said that really resonated was we we are ending, or I'm hoping we're ending, but we're we're at a place in the pandemic where we're all going to be going back out and interacting more than we have in a long time. And so yesterday I tried to shop for my daughter's birthday. And there were so many people out that, and it's very stressful. I feel like my social skills have atrophied and I got very stressed, something that would have never bothered me two years ago. But now I was surrounded by people and getting frustrated and having a little reminder in your pocket, like the letter A, to remember to look for awe and to look for what is good and what is funny and not take it so darn seriously. This may just be the time to get that thing in our pockets. <laughs> or go out and get a red cloud nose, yes. That's uh, right, <laughs> exactly. Blow, now. Some, blow some bubbles is another thing I, I like to do, you know. Sure. Have a, have a humor buddy that you can call up and, you know, find anything funny this week or, you know, because yes, I have a friend Absolutely. who's all alone right now and, I'm getting emails how um, he's down in the dumps, you know. So I try to send him some uplifting things. The thing about humor is he's my friend, so I know his kind of humor. But if you don't know the per- where the f- person's funny bone is, you know, right. sometimes it can backfire. Yes, so, yes. Well, it's the thought fun. that counts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, where can people find out more about you? Where can people connect and find all of your social media info and your backlist? Tell us where to reach you, please. Well, probably all about me and articles and stuff on my website. So that's okay. www.alankline.com. But they've got to spell Alan Klein, just like the Beatles spelling. Beatles right. Spelling. A-L-L-E-N-K-L-E-I-N. Perfect. Or all my books on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, even your local bookstore can order it. Um, So just, just, it's all, it's all there. Well, I'm very excited about the next one coming out also. And I'm so glad you were with us today. Thank you so much for this. This has been terrific. Lizbeth, I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.